I work together with our beer expert, so it's Chris. A collaboration. Yeah. Kind of like the Avengers team it up. It, kind of. This Bites, discussing Milwaukee's culinary and restaurant culture. With Ann Christensen of Milwaukee Magazine and Tariq Moody of 88.9. This Bites is brought to you by Society Insurance. Welcome to another edition of This Bites. I am Tariq. And I am Ann. And today on This Bites, we're going to be talking about the latest issue of Milwaukee Magazine. The cover story is very, very Wisconsin. It's all about beer and cheese. We're going to talk about that whole concept behind that article with you, Ann, and pick out some of your favorite uh, stories you worked on. And then we're going to talk about some a uh, couple of events. Danny Boone Fest, which is a combination of Dan Dan and Boone and Crockett coming together this coming weekend. Also, a summer barbecue beer dinner, speaking of beer, at Rumpus Room. And also, an uh, update to the Mequon Public Market. So, let's get it kicked off with the cover story of the latest Milwaukee magazine. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful cover, and it covers, uh, it's the most probably the most Wisconsin thing I've seen on Milwaukee magazine. Beer and cheese. Wow, yeah. It's two things that, if you live in Wisconsin, you should know about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was interesting about the story, I do a lot of feature stories and a lot of them, I cover them myself. You know, yeah. it's all food. But for this feature, I, I work together with our beer expert. So it's Chris. a collaboration. Yeah. Kind of like the Avengers team it up. It, kind of, yeah. kind of. But it presents, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to do because uh, we had to kind of like figure out how to do this in a way that gave us enough beer and enough cheese and everything was equal and interesting and fun. So there was, you know, a lot of challenges here. And I think we kind of pulled that off. Um, the story uh, has everything from our expert pairing. So mm-hmm. Chris is this, you know, huge beer fanatic. And he picked, um, you know, some of the best beers. I went on, the, you know, trying to find the best Wisconsin cheeses. But you can't stop there. You have to figure out how, what beer tastes the best. So Which beer tastes the best with these cheeses? And yeah, we, beer and a cheese. We sat down and you know had these long cheese beer cheesy beery conversations mm. while we were eating and drinking these things. And audience, just to let you know, they did not invite no. me for moral support for no, this, uh, this, we didn't. this collaboration. So. We didn't. I, I I was thinking that you would probably, I don't know, you'd wanna add some kimchi to it or something like that, which um, you know, just kind of spice things up. And yeah, I, um, just, I just want to be a fly on a wall and yeah. enjoy the conversation. Well, okay. So here, next time, next time. We were being purists here and really, you know, taking it very, very seriously and, and calling out the notes and the beer and the cheese. Okay. So that's one angle. Uh-huh. We have little mini profiles of um, uh, people that run breweries, that um, run cheese shops, this really great profile of uh, the owner of Clock Shadow Creamery. Anna Landmark um, is one of those uh, cheesemakers. Mm-hmm. She's in uh, kind of southeastern Wisconsin, makes this incredible, these incredible mm. um, cheeses, the cow's milk, goat's milk. Um, and so we talk a little bit about, mm-hmm. about that in one of those mini profiles. But, okay, so right now I'm going to tell you about this really fun thing that um, our graphic designer who put this yeah. whole story together and I did, along with our photographer, Kevin Miyazaki. Um, I wanted to put together kind of the ultimate cheese board and and showcase you know some of the best wisconsin cheeses mm-hmm. and then some other products because if you do a cheese board it can't just be cheese right no. you want other things that are going to bring textures out textures and- things that are going to bring that bring out the nuances mm-hmm. in the cheese um that are going to yeah add more texture you know like nuts 
mm-hmm. um, fruits that, that you want the sweetness of the fruits, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of some sharpness like with mustards or chutneys, um, tangy flavors, um, and also olives, with, which add some pungency. So, um, you know, what's what you need to think about when you're doing a, a cheese plate, obviously, is having a, a mix of cheeses, mm. right? So you want some soft ones, you want c- some kind of really creamy mm-hmm. ones, and you want some harder textured cheeses. So um, so that's what I chose in this lineup. And they're really, that's a really great, I think it's a great board. So I like, would be something that I'd love to serve. And sausages. So what, sausage here was too. there any kind of strategy or... Yeah. Uh, concept behind what cheese decided to go on the board can you talk yes. about like yes why there did you are. pick a certain cheese to be on this board and not that cheese yeah well um so um obviously my methodology was to focus on wisconsin cheeses i wanted to um have uh different um milks focusing on different milks so cow's milk mm. sheep's milk um there's some goat milk here too i wanted a really great creamy light mellow um fresh uh, goat cheese, like a fresh chev. And so, and, and, um, there's a Wisconsin cheese. There's a LeClaire farms makes this incredible chev. So yeah, I was strategizing about, well, okay, I want a cheddar, but I want a really good age cheddar mm-hmm. that's sharp, but not too sharp. Um, I wanted to, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Pleasant Ridge reserve, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, kind of has the firmness of like a Gruyere, but it's really buttery and smooth, but grassy and earthy. Mm-hmm. I love that cheese. Works great on mm-hmm. a cheese board with so many different things. So I knew I wanted to have that as one of my harder textured cheeses. Um, I was also going for just favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my absolute favorite cheeses is also Roelli. I always say Roelli, but I think it's Roli, actually pronounced Roli. Mm-hmm. Red Rock cheese. It's a super interesting cheddar that's kind of like it has like the, does it have the, the, the it has red the veins rind? it has the, well it doesn't have a red well it has a rind on it but it's a really um, it has a lot of annatto yeah. um, coloring in it so it's mm. very orange and it has like a little bit of blue in it so it has these veins that, yeah. of blue coming down and actually we have a really pretty photo mm. of it that is incredible cheese mm. so I was going I was looking at cheeses I really really loved and how could I I showcase them here and then also thinking about the range and balance. Okay. Well, cool. That is the latest issue of Milwaukee Magazine. It's, uh, I'm assuming subscribers probably already have it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When does it hit the uh, newsstand? It's on newsstands uh, starting now. Oh, cool. Well, that was our conversation about uh, the cover story of Milwaukee Magazine's uh, beer and cheese issue. Coming up, we're going to talk about Danny Boonfast, a collaboration between Dan Dan and Boone and Crockett, an update to the Mequon public market and a summer barbecue beer dinner at Rumpus Room. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. Now we're back on this bias. Before we get into... Um, the other stuff we want to talk about today on This Bites, I want to ask you a question. There was a story you brought up uh, before we started this about the uh, Limburger. There's a story about Limburger. Yeah, there is. Talk about what, what's that story about Limburger is? Because um, most people have the, the stereotype of Limburger being the smelliest cheese. Well, and it cartoons is. And, it's and, a really, uh, really smelly yeah. cheese. If you look up lists of the smelliest cheeses in the world, Limburger is going to be on it. Um, <clears throat> Limburger is a really fascinating cheese to me because... Um, I don't know if you know this, Tariq, but there's one cheesemaker in Wisconsin 
that produces all the Limburger for the whole United States. I, have, I think I've I mean there are, there are cheesemakers in Germany that make it for Europe, you mm-hmm. know, but in in the United States, there's one place that That's does this. There's a lot of demand for it, probably. Well, you know, it's interesting. I spoke to the one master cheesemaker. One, there's one master <laughs> Limburger cheesemaker, and he said he thinks it's coming back, um, kind of. Uh, and I think his thinking was, um, you know, there's a lot of um, interest in, I think, more assertive foods now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing a lot of menus where there are chefs that are really pushing pushing the boundaries a little bit more, yeah. I think, with different flavors. I mean, like, I noticed fish sauce has become, like, yeah. this dominant f- stuff, not just in Asian cuisine, but people are using it in other types of cuisines. It's a very funky, right. fermented fish juice, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I, I can't say that I, I've seen Limburger on menus lately. I haven't. But, um, you know, he might be right. Maybe it is coming back. I mean, it's kind of a thing that old timers would eat. It actually has a history going back to the 1800s. Mm. Um, Swiss cheesemakers came to uh, Wisconsin. They started making cheeses. They weren't making that. They were making brick cheese. They were making these sort of milder cheeses. Mm-hmm. But the German farmers demanded Limburger because they wanted really assertive cheeses to have with their dark beers mm-hmm. and their rye bread. They wanted those cheeses. Yeah, okay. So the Swiss the Swiss cheesemaker started making this. Okay. okay. And um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting cheese that, yes, due to the bacteria that's added to it, um, it starts to age. It's a live. It's a live culture in there, and it starts to to really start to get pungent. And, okay. and the longer it's kind of wrapped up. If you ever go to a place like West Dallas Cheese and Sausage, you'll see it up on their mm. shelf. It's kind of wrapped in this foil. Um, it's sort of. It's just. It's like living in there. It's growing in there. So basically, it depends on the bacteria. The, it's a certain bacteria that, that they you, use too. So bacteria basically gives flavors to different cheeses. Different types of bacteria gives the flavor to cheese. That yeah, it, it helps. It helps. It as like it assume, grows, yeah. it, it develops so that flavor. Though there's a different bacteria for cheddar compared to Swiss. Is that basically how they get the different flavors? Well. I, I I would say um, maybe. I mean, I I, I was curious about like the flavors of cheese and where those flavors come from. Yeah. That's why why Swiss well, taste that way? Well, sometimes it's the yeah. Way. Sometimes it's the milk that they use. It's the process of of making it. Um, but Limburger is um, is is a is a cheese unto its own. Um, so what you know what I did was I I went. To, I was actually at Mars Cheese Castle mm-hmm. um, just recently, and I picked some Limburger up, and I thought, you know, I'm going to bring some of this back to the office, put some in the fridge, um, pull it out, <laughs> let it let it kind of come to room temperature for a little bit, see if anybody notices a certain smell. <laughs> and um, if people wander over. I was going to be eating it with some crackers, and lo and behold, some people did wander over. And what's interesting about it is it's very, it's more pungent on the rind, okay. around the rind. If you get into the the inner part of the cheese, and it gets, it can get really runny and soft okay. um, as it's sitting out. So it's a soft cheese. It's a soft cheese. Um, I think they characterize it as semi-soft because okay. it's not, it's not like, I wouldn't call it a spreadable cheese. But anyway, mm. you can spread it at mm. some point in, if it's sitting out yeah. for a long, long period of time. But um, it's strong. Oh yeah, it's strong. <laughs> and um, if you really, if people who really love it, they'll put it on rye bread with like raw onion, and oh, they will just, eat it that way. Um, just, just yeah. In sharing fact, sharing that. Sharing the. I was just yeah yeah. I was all the way. I was just eating it with some saltines because <laughs> I happen to only have saltines in my drawer at work. But 
Um, if you're totally new to it, the master Limburger cheesemaker told me that um, a really good way to try it would be to take like a saltine cracker, something really, really mild mm. like that, put it on there and then add some fruit jam on top mm. of it to kind of cut Cut the pungent, mm. uh, pungentness of it and add a little sweetness to it. I didn't have any jam, so I didn't do that. But um, the reactions in the office were really interesting <laughs> because um, I, ca- I will not downplay that that aroma is inc- really, really strong. And um, some people compare it to, like, dirty sweat socks. Wow. Yeah. But um, it might even be worse than that. But. <laughs> It's. I mean, a lot of people say it's 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 bark is worse worse than its bite, and that's really true. It really is an it's a really interesting cheese okay. to eat. I don't know. I liked it you once liked I was it? eating it, but man, so I don't want to smell pair, it. Maybe we should pair it with some malort. Um, <laughs> I think it's too strong for malort. <laughs> I think malort needs a milder cheese. I really do, mm. and so therefore, I think. Limburger needs a needs like a like a lager yeah. or something like that. I'm surprised you didn't do that. Although like, dark beers are what they talk about. Well, I think it could go with anything mm. but a, a really dark beer. I'm surprised well you didn't do it. like a, a Malort pairing in that issue. You know, try to It's not a beer, Tariq. It's not a beer. Well, just a little sidebar of since this bite. Really? Like with this bite, let's we decided to do a Malort pairing. You just want Malort to come into every story that could possibly be written, don't you? Yeah. Uh Tyrone, who produces the story, he was in he's in Seattle for another project. Sent me a picture of somebody's license plate in Washington. Guess what the license plate said? Malort. In Washington? <laughs> in Washington. Washington State. Washington State. I'm assuming that Did that make about, you happy? Uh, I don't know. Kind of jealous. Like, that's my thing. But anyway. Uh, let's get back to the rest of this bites. Dan Dan celebrating their second anniversary. And they're holding a festival called Danny Boone Fest, which is a collaboration between Dan Dan and... Boone and Crockett, which recently moved to the area not too far from Dan. Dan, can you go into what's what's all about that? What's going there? Sure. It's happening Sunday, this Sunday, um, right? It is this Sunday, right, from 12 to 5. It takes place in the Dan Dan parking lot. Um, and uh, there's a range of music, um, five different musical lineups, um, including a DJ. And there's going to be five sources of food. So five restaurants, in, mm-hmm. in effect. So Dan Dan, those, the Dan yeah. Van Wright and Dan Jacobs, they are going to be there offering food. Can't tell you what, <laughs> but hope, hoping there will be some um, some soup dumplings. I don't know. Do you think uh, they'd have soup dumplings? I don't know. We're still Milwaukee's still hurting for soup dumplings. But apparently, I know. apparently someone told me, I forgot the name of the Chinese restaurant in the uh, building across the street from um, Shake Shack. Jing's. Jing. Oh, Jing's. Yeah, yeah. Someone told me they do soup dumplings. Yeah, that's I would the, believe it. That's, I would believe but I, it. it's not on their menu, I don't think. Right. They have another menu, though. Yeah. You should ask for the other yeah. menu. So apparently they do soup dumplings. Right. But I think that's the only place within, like, 100 miles that does soup dumplings, basically. You need to get over to Jing's. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, we don't know what Danon's going to serve, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, Foxfire is a food truck. If you're familiar, are you familiar with I've seen Foxfire? them. Yeah. I've seen them around. They do, actually, they do a mix of things. They have a hot chicken sandwich. Did yes, you know that? I've had it. Actually, they have a hot chicken. It. They do like grilled cheese. They do a banh mi. It's like, you know, it's sort of a mix of, of mm-hmm. interesting things. Um, Vanguard is going to be there with their sausages, snack boys. You know, the snack boys. Yeah, snack well, so boys. Well, the snack boys are kind of, there's like, they're, actually, they're the Avengers of like restaurants because they like, they get snack the, boys? you know, Boone and Crockett, yeah. Vanguard, and Mitch, uh, Takamoto. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and, and that makes me wonder what Mitch is going to be doing for mm. food when it's when it's like an outdoor setting like that. Does is he going to do pretty snack boy type? You know that typical snack boy type. Or maybe small an honor, or maybe on a, um, on a state fair, put everything he does on a menu on, on a stick. stick. There yeah. you go. That could be. And then uh, Iron Great Barbecue is going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we know they do uh, the Milwaukee rib. They do brisket, pulled and, pork, and sometimes they truck, sausages. They do the, they do the riblets. Sometimes. The riblets. Yeah. When they're out and about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be there doing the food. Um, as far as drinks go, you're going to be able to get Jim Beam Black. Paps Blue Ribbon, some watery uh, refreshment from Boone and Crockett. Some watery. Watery. Well, liquid. Liquid refreshment. Uh, so non-alcoholic. So not like watered down anything. So non-alcoholic refreshment, you're saying. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's it's liquid refreshment. It could, it could oh, okay. I assume it'll be al- alcoholic, <laughs> right? I mean, come on. It's Danny Boone Fest. What do you think? <laughs> you got the raccoon hat. Is that what Danny Boone? I is? wish I had one. You know, again, that's uh, this but Sunday. I don't like. I don't. I don't want to wear an animal on my head. Oh, but you, your animal wearing it, a dead animal. I don't. I, I, I'm not into that. What? You're, You're talking about my hair? Yeah, it's an animal. You're an animal, so you do have something on your hair. That's a you know. Well, by, well, those follicles are alive. <laughs> They're alive, Tariq. Okay, so I wanted to clarify something because. Um, you know, I mentioned that there that when you make when when the cheesemaker makes limb, Limburger, they use a really specific bacteria, um, bacteria which um, heat that the cheesemaker said it's a it's an urban myth that it's the same bacteria that causes foot odor. There actually is this thread on <laughs> on on the internet that th- that's the same one. It, we should he, try he doing said that. It's it's really not. We should make some but, cheese with the actual. F- Bacteria from foot odor. But as far as cheeses go, I mean, there are, um, there are, I mean, yeah, it's a bacteria. It's a, that's often called starter cultures that are used to flavor those cheeses. So now, if you ask me which, which bacteria right. for each of those cheeses, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I was just curious. But what, yeah, you have to have a bacteria to make cheese. Yeah, so I figured like, I said, but I thought you were asking me which one. No, I was just figuring like, which bacteria? this bacteria is the thing that makes yeah. the different flavors yes. and cheeses. That's going to, that's going to affect okay. it, but I, so is aging. So yeah. is, whether it's cow's milk, sheep's milk, Like, I assume milk, cheddar has milk. a bacteria that's different than Swiss. A few weeks ago, actually a few months ago, we mentioned that Mequon's getting their own public market. Uh, and we talked a little bit about what's going in there. And you have an update to yeah. some new ventures they, going into yes. the Mequon public market. Um, and that is part of a bigger development called Spur 16, which is, you know, there's going to be these luxury townhomes out there and all these other businesses. But um, the Mequon Public Market is, it's, so this is going to be like, I, uh, I want to say it's around 63rd and Mequon Road. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's already going to be a freestanding St. Paul Public Market um, or St. Paul Market, um, fish market. Um, but the public market, we've mentioned anodyne, Purple Door ice cream. Um, but since we've since we talked about them the last time, they've announced Cafe Corazon is going to be up mm. there. Beans and Barley is going to have, it's only going to, I mean, they, they don't open multiple locations. So that's no. going to be their second. And now um, Karen Bell of Bavette is going to open a second location yeah. of Bavette up there. Um, and what she told me is it's going to be very similar in terms of um, the lineup, although she's going to have more grab and go type things mm. because it's not, it's not going to be a sit down restaurant. There's going to be seating like in the public kind of market, communal seating. seating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so she's, she wants to have things like uh, rotisserie chickens. Um, unlike 
um, third ward. She's going to have a smoker. She's, she's going to be doing some smoked bacons, um, brisket, um, shoulder, things like that, pork shoulder. She's going to have wine and beer at a small bar. So, um, so yeah, and there's going to be five more tenants that they're going to announce over the coming months. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the hope is that this, par- this market is going to be open before the end of this year. What else we got here, Tariq? Finally, we're going to go back to beer. Rumpers Road hosting this really interesting uh, summer barbecue beer dinner with Central Waters, August 15th at 6.30. It's a four-course dinner featuring uh, a belly full of brews. Uh, they kick it off with a welcome beer, their summer Rillo Indian-style pale lager. Uh, we have this conversation about lagers and stuff, and, and like I was talking to the guy at Moody Tongue, who used to be a chef, the Chicago beer. No... No correlation between me and really? Moody Tongue, but I'm. It would honored. be really cool if. They but I did were. think I think he did name it after me, but no. But uh, <laughs> I was at a, an event with him, and we're and like I was telling him how much I hate IPAs. I think IPAs are overrated. Personally, <laughs> probably get a lot of brewmasters here, but I just think I don't get it. IPAs. It's it's, you know, and why can't people do loggers? There's not that a lot of most breweries only have one logger or something like that. You know, and I was talking to him. It's like, well, he said IPAs are usually easy to make because if you mess up, you can cover it up, like for flavors and stuff. Lagers, that's a that's a craft. That's like that takes time, and, and you can make a mistake easily with lagers. Apparently, other uh, uh, dishes on the um, dinner menu include huli huli chicken, plate lunch, a Hawaiian style barbecue chicken with white rice and mac salad, uh, caught in the rain. American IPA, oh, caught in the rain, American IPA, which has coconut and pineapple. Hmm. Like IPAs are bitter and coconut, I, I don't, you know, I don't know that flavors. Those flavors, it might be good. Yeah. I don't know what's your profile. Uh, there's Carolina gold pork wing with mustard barbecue. Okay, when you do mustard, you got to do it right. I've oh, had, yeah. I, I've had mustard barbecue, which just tastes like you've just put mustard. Like it's a it's 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 a balance of vinegar right. and spices and the mustard and you gotta use the right type of yeah, mustard. Yeah, you can't just throw some French's yeah. mustard. Yeah, on Yeah, you there. gotta do it right and you gotta cook it right. Right. You know, it's it's cooked. It's not like you mix it and you pour it on some. Some people I feel like they do that and you eat it like, dude, you just put mustard on my, you ruined my ribs with mustard. Right. <laughs> you know. But yeah. Anyway, so Carolina Gold Pork Wing, it's a mustard barbecue, sorghum baked beans, uh, which sorghum is a kind of a was a substitute for sugar in the mm-hmm. south, mm-hmm. Um, and a Oscani. Scouty red ale, I guess that's how it's pronounced. And then uh, there's a coffee rub brisket. I love the idea of using coffee because it adds a leather layer of kind of intense smoke. I think the smoke intensifies the smoke flavor when you use coffee on a rub. I think that's brilliant. But it also comes with grits. Of course, I'm picking my own grits. I'm a stuck-up snob about grits, so you got to do that right or just go home. What makes, I mean, like, what do you think they, how should they be done? What's... What's that's, the texture and what should be in them? I like mines. Some people make them really thick, and I just think that's gross. I like mines almost consistency of like a clam chowder oh. without the chunkiness of the clam chowder. Kind of like a little soupy, but not too soupy. You know what I mean? I like that because I, I think you can make cheese. You can mix stuff in it. I like I like eating my grits with a spoon. Yeah. You know, I don't want to eat my grits with a fork. Yeah. You know, it's just, and I, I like cook mines with stock. If it's not good grits, like, you know, not like, Sometimes I order grits from the south to come up. Yeah. But if I use it, if I cook that with water, but usually if it's cheap grits or something I can't find, I usually cook with stock okay. or broth. Um, there's collard greens, Cassian Sunset, Imperial Stout. And then uh, wrap it up with dessert, a banana cream pie. Looks like a traditional banana cream pie with a graham cracker and pecan crust, bourbon caramel, and whipped cream. 
and aged with their 20th anniversary barrel age imperial stout. Well, two stouts to end out the uh, menu. Hmm. No, uh, no ribs. Maybe they wanted to, you know, kind of spice it up, move away from that. Kind of do this a little different. Yeah. People might just expect ribs. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do that. So it's a rumpus room. Chef Andrew Kosser will uh, prepare this meal uh, on August 15th. Really cool. I, I, I do like a lot of beer dinners. Didn't, don't you remember, I don't know, when I first moved here, it feels like everybody else in the country was doing craft beers. Yeah. But Milwaukee wasn't the home of beer. There was no beer events. There were no beer festivals. Right. Like 12 there were no years beer ago. dinners. Yeah. But around the country, they were doing it. And the home of beer wasn't doing it. You remember that 12 years ago? And like, I felt like, yeah, there was the nothing. beer fests were, were, were kind of not. But I remember in Minneapolis, they were having beer things, beer things, beer things. But like the home of Milwaukee, it's beer. And like they weren't mm-hmm. doing anything. And all of a sudden, they're everywhere. But see, at that time, it was kind of dominated by like the big breweries, like mm. Miller. You know what I mean? And but craft beer was going around the country. Of them. Yeah. yeah, right, right. But, but not here, Milwaukee. Yeah, I the mean, home of independent. They're like yeah, Miller Sprecher was a craft. Yeah, and Lakefront were here. I mean, but it was it's it's taken in that yeah. time. There's been so yeah. many more that have opened. Yeah, it's interesting because like the history of Miller no, was. A, if you think about Miller, was a craft beer when it was created. Even yeah. the whole logic of what Miller was, and whenever Milwaukee, they were craft beer. I mean, we don't call it that, but they were. I mean, the whole history of the beer here and the fact that the rest of the country was, was ahead of craft beer before Milwaukee. It's just it mind-boggling. Milwaukee is not caught up with Malort, though, you know? Well, I've seen you, more bars carry it. Hey, I, here, I, since we started this tagline, I have, I've been to more bars, and I've seen more bars carry Malort. Just, Do you think? I, I don't yeah. know if that's cor- correlation. I think it's spreading. Or not, but. I think word is spreading, Teresa. I think we should take credit for it, you know? Well, you should contact the company that makes Malort. They're in Florida now. There's no longer in Chicago. They make oh, them in Florida. Oh, geez, really? Because I was going to say, maybe you should like tell them that you have been yeah. this this driving force and <laughs> spreading, you know, and in, in increasing their business. In I just want to have a Malort dinner. I know. And then yeah, he'll he'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wraps up. Along this- with my Limburger dinner. <laughs> well, that wraps up uh, this edition of This Bites. This Bites is produced by Tyrone Miller and Kenny Perez while Tyrone Miller is away. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the licensed lab with support from Society Insurance and your membership. Subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org, on iTunes, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as always, Anne, stay hungry. And keep the Malord cold. Yeah.